Welcome to Mocktails and Masterpieces with the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra. Today's episode is sponsored by Anthony Team Realty. Greetings, ICO friends. The holidays are upon us, and you know what that means. It's time for the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra's classical Christmas program. It's been an annual tradition for the ICO for decades. And we're delighted to welcome to our Mocktails and Masterpieces two of our soloists of the quartet, soprano Mary Martin and tenor Norman Schenkel are with us. Greetings to both of you. Hello. Good to be here. Hi. Happy to be here. Norman, you were with us uh, last uh, December for our performance of, of Messiah. And Mary, you were slated to be there as well. Regrettably, had to withdraw at the last minute due to illness. We are delighted that you're going to be with us. I wonder if you could take just a moment, Mary, and introduce yourself. Sure. Hello. My name is Mary Martin. I am a soprano. I um, teach at DePaul University. Uh, happy to be a tiger. And I'm finishing up doctoral work at Indiana University. <laughs> I have lived in Indiana for about uh, six or so years. I love it here. Um, I am originally from Michigan, so I'm my Midwestern roots run deep. And uh <laughs> It's 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 a pleasure to be joining ICO. Wonderful, Mary. And Norman, you were with us, as I referenced last year. Beautiful, beautiful contribution to our Messiah program. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I'm Norman Schenkel, tenor. Um, I live on the East Coast, and I think I've been always lived on the East Coast. I did live a short while overseas. Um, not a short while, actually uh let's see that is that's me i'm a tenor you know i will say one thing and i've got the shirt on coincidentally this wasn't planned but um you can see i have a national gallery shirt on today uh because i started uh joined the music department in uh maybe last february okay. um yeah so uh I do love that actually. It's in it's in DC, which means I have to commute, which is not super great, but uh I do like we're, doing it. We're accustomed to that as performers. Certainly, <laughs> you're not on an airplane, you're in a car, it certainly seems. Right. Well, welcome right. to both of you. This is again uh, a staple in ICO repertoire, but really for choruses, for orchestras around the country, around the world. Uh Messiah has been in the repertoire since the moment it was pinned. And, uh, you know, we come up to this time of year and for performers, it's always, where's your Nutcracker or where's your Messiah? Uh, a mall, for example, <laughs> there are certain things that have stayed in the repertoire and for good reason. But I'm curious, to, Mary, we'll start with you. You know, what do you think it is about Messiah in particular for performers, for singers such as yourself, but also for audiences that, you know, continue to bring us back to it every year, either at December or during Lent? Interesting. Sure. Well, it's. I always call Messiah chicken soup for the musical soul. Like I know that's super cheesy, but I'm a cheesy person. Uh, it's it's comfort food. It's it's something known. It's it's always a little bit different every time because the voice is different. Orchestras are different. They're living, breathing things, just like anything else. And the text always has something that speaks to you, and that can like for me, it's always. Um, I love he shall feed his flock. I love um, that that movement specifically always like really comforts me in a way that not a lot of oratorio <laughs> brings me comfort in. And that it's different for everybody, but sometimes other texts just hits differently depending on what you're going through, what the holidays, what curveball the holidays have thrown for you this year, which all it's different every year. So um, in that sense of it, it 
it really is very comforting and joyful and it's, it's community building. It's, it's, we all gather and can expect, you know, a delightful afternoon or evening. And then musically it is, it's always been around. I went to um, a private high school that was all women and we sang an SSA arrangement of the Hallelujah Chorus at every single high school choir concert around Christmas time. So it's been that part. And then you know, even in conducting classes uh, back in college a million years ago, uh, we had to learn how to conduct recit and conduct like cueing choruses with and the glory of the Lord and, and all of the recits in the Messiah. So it's always been around me in a musical way and in a life way. And Norman, when your calendar starts to fill in around the holidays with Messiahs, you know, every year, is this something that you look forward to coming back to and revisiting? It, it really is, actually. I really liked uh, Mary, the, the chicken soup analogy. And yeah, it's, it's a good point. I, it's, it's, there has been, I think, I mean, maybe since high school, probably one year I didn't do Messiah. Uh, and it was during COVID. And uh, I remember sitting around and thinking how strange it was to not be singing it and to not hear it. Um, that was really weird but I, I do like that kind of uh it's like a weird communal experience where everyone really knows it you know especially the musicians but also has their own kind of ideas about things and and putting it together is uh it's different every time it seems like it shouldn't be because you know it's messiah and everyone's done it a hundred times but it's it's different every time and uh that part to be able to do that and uh be a part of it, you know, that kind of difference every single time. It's really special, actually, to me, actually. Familiar and different at the same time. I, I love that point, Norman. And so I want to stay with that. You know, the idea that we know this piece, like the back of our hand, because, you know, we performed it, you know, for many of us decades now, you know, the, the score, my score is all marked in. I've used the same <laughs> one for ages. Uh, but it is different every time. And there are performance traditions, which I'd love to talk about in your, both of your experiences. But Norman, I'll, I'll stay with you. The idea that you, know, you can do this uh, with amateur choruses. It's done all the time with amateur choruses, right. with very large orchestras, right. uh, very small <laughs> ch chamber size orchestras that use maybe perhaps a performance inspired tradition or you know, downright Baroque orchestras where everything's detuned, played on gut strings and right. you know, tempos are faster, tempos are slower. What has been your experience, you know, um, performing with a different ensemble. I mean, I, I have I've done it with those the big gigantic orchestras and big gigantic choruses. I've done it, you know, tuned down a half step, which surprisingly, you know, you know, I, this is a tenor secret. Uh, the tuned down half step all seems like you know a fantastic idea most of the time, um, and then later on in the piece you realize how low the reception is. <laughs> 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 and then you're like, whoops, maybe I didn't want to do this a half step lower. Uh, um, it's it's the half step lower, actually. You know what? Both of them are make make the piece so different, actually. Um, with the, with a super large chorus and a super large orchestra, you know, there's there's things you can't do that you can do with a kind of a smaller, more agile orchestra, and a down a half step changes uh I, I i think uh the things you put in it as a soloist i'm gonna say the things you put in try to put into the music for me when if i'm doing it a half step lower 
maybe I, I don't have that same color. I can't make that same color in this range. Um, it's very strange. Very strange. And I, I find that, you know, the times when I have to do them both kind of at the same time, I do have to kind of get myself in a mindset of this is going to be a half step lower now, or this is going to be with, uh, you know, 140 people in the course or, you know, 100 people in the orchestra now. And uh, so there's no super soft singing there because you're, yeah. you're going to be hurt. Um, yeah, but all enjoyable and, and like the challenge and the, the fact that, you know, challenge, when you're meeting challenges, when you know the music and it's very familiar then it's uh it's fun as opposed to work and mary any preference in, in your mind as as to you know do you want a hundred piece orchestra backing you up you know mozart did an arrangement of messiah that added woodwinds and more brass so you know it just seems like we're always kind of tinkering with this piece which we know so well sure i mean i actually have never done it tuned down a half step i've never done the mozart arrangement i've always done the the sort of I don't want to say vanilla because that implies boring and it's not. Uh, I've sort of the traditional um, Messiah. Uh, and I was thinking while you were speaking, Norman, about how it would feel to sing it down a half step. I think it would throw me completely off. Like, I'm not interested. I'm good where I'm at. I, I, I mean, it'd be, it'd be a fun challenge. And as far as on orchestra size, that's just sort of the beauty of, of this era of oratorio specifically. You know, you can't really do a Verdi Requiem with a chamber group like it would be I mean you could probably but it would it would hit a lot different whereas the Messiah with a lighter group is just a different shade of the same color as it would be in like a, with a larger ensemble um larger orchestra larger chorus and larger forces in general but I do agree that you know you it might be easier to do florid ornaments with with a smaller group because it's sort you can stay together with them more easily um it, there's fewer you know it feels more like you're part of the same circle rather than sort of spread out more. Right. Um, and, but it, but it's fun either way. I, I, I don't have as much to say though about the tuning though. I, I can't even think about that. You should try the tuning once. It's a, it's a really an eye opener because you, you suddenly realize how much different you have to approach things when you're not right concerned about singing high kind of. It's weird. I've done it with other pieces, but not with not with the Messiah. Right. But with the other pieces, it just it felt like you were in one of those fun houses where you couldn't tell yes, like where right. it's <laughs> Yes. Did I finish it? Did I do it? Yeah. Since this is a piece that we again have lived with for a very long time, there are certainly anecdotes or stories or you know comical things, whatever the case may be, that you might both have with this. Uh, you know, two things spring to my mind, and one of them was really very, very unfortunate. Uh, you know, we were coming back right after COVID, I believe this is 2021. And, you know, we had our course, we went through all the processes that everybody had to the tests and everything. And then we find out, you know, the day before that one of our course members was positive, and that we had to, you know, take the, the chorus out of it all together, we were scrambling, we ended up putting on what I thought was a really solid performance with just our solo quartet, did just the arias for the Bach Christmas Oratorio and Handel. So yes, the performance was salvaged. But the other horror story that I have was my very first Messiah. This was back in mid 2000s. And, you know, one soloist that I was working with probably smelled the green all over me, just knew that I really wasn't very uh, familiar with the, the, the work as a whole and started adding ornamentation like I had never heard before. I didn't know where the cadence was. I didn't know how to come out of it. And I'm sure the orchestra could see me sweating. It all ended up fine. But that was one of my first like that didn't happen in rehearsal. All of a sudden it happens in the concert and I don't know what to do 
Yeah, uh, so that's something that will forever live with me. But do either <laughs> we'll start with uh, you, Mary. Do, do you have a, a recollection of a performance or something you know that stands out amongst all the others, either positive or or not? Sure. Well, two things come to mind. I, I stepped in last minute for a friend of mine who fell ill because again, when you do messiahs around December, it's just asking like it's it's a it's a tightrope, right? But she she fell ill, so I I subbed in, and it was in Battle Creek, which is of course the home of Kellogg cereal, and I was very excited. And I took like a, I found a box of Rice Krispie treat cereal that matched my gown, and that is one of my most cherished vers- uh, like performance pictures. Um, it was delicious, but a great meal after a messiah, you know, just like slam some cereal down, you know. Um, but another, an earlier messiah, I learned a very valuable lesson, which is if you are going to do a messiah or really anything, any performance where you're standing a lot in one place, you better make sure that those shoes fit comfortably. Because my, I, as we were going and going, my, my toes just got like, tighter and tighter and I nearly like I almost passed out because my feet were hurting so badly and I it took me out completely I couldn't think about the beautiful text the orchestra the audience but I was just like stay in it stay in it don't because my feet were killing <laughs> me so now I'm like I don't care how cute they are I I just wear a long gown so hopefully no one can see them and I get as close to a tennis shoe as I possibly can <laughs> that's funny Norman how about you <laughs> Uh, it's funny because I have a shoe story also. It's not, it's not me though. It's, uh, it's, um, this was years ago and a friend, a bass uh, that I knew were singing it together and we get to the performance and it was like one of those things where we rehearsed before and the performance was that evening. And so we were kind of had a variety of things to wear. Yeah. And come the performance time, he doesn't have his dress shoes and he sang the Messiah in his black socks, which I teased him about for years about because he's sitting in the front of the stage <laughs> in a pair of socks. And I'm sure the people in the front row, you know, were looking and wondering why he didn't have shoes on. No one else probably knew, but, you know, we knew. And so I laughed and teased him all the time, actually, about that. Oh, that is funny. Wow. <laughs> So the uh, reference many times here, the Messiah is a, a good friend for all of us, certainly for the ICO. And a few years ago, we decided to change things a little bit. We in, Instead of performing the entirety of Messiah, we performed just the Christmas portion, part one. And then the first half of our concert then is uh, a different work every year. And this year, we visit Camille Sasson's Christmas Oratorio, an earlier work of his, which is really new to, to the three of us. Um, I performed it as a violinist years ago. I've never conducted it, but I've studied it and familiar with it. But what are your impressions of this uh, French, middle 19th century French Christmas cantata? Mary. Uh, I love it. It's It has such a, that like beautiful, like clean Christmas feeling. Uh, if you ever Google French music, or I guess look it up on Spotify, French music, even pop French Christmas music, it all sounds like cool tones but still like comforting I it, and, it, and it's funny because that's not the the Christmas oratorio definitely sounds like that as well um and we were speaking about this earlier but he actually has a very vast repertoire of music I I'm used to hearing it in a church setting or the organ music um but he he also wrote a lot he wrote an opera maybe more he, I should probably know but he he certainly wrote opera and he also wrote lots of art song there uh, but we don't we we know his name. His name is is in our world, but we don't we don't have specific works that we can rapid fire out. So I'm really excited to work on this. And Norman, new work for you as well. Yeah, very new. Um, and I, I agree. You know, I I remember uh, 
pulling it out and listening to it a few months ago. And uh, I like the, I mean, it, it, it's so different from Messiah. And to me, it, it's, it's almost kind of, uh, it seems older than it is actually at, at times. And then uh, in other times it, it's, it seems kind of a, uh, kind of quite modern i like it I, I like the kind of pastoral feel of that beginning that kind of the kind of chanty things that it starts off with it seems very like seems like a traditional christmas piece that we've always been doing and we haven't always been doing it i agree with that <laughs> sentiment completely you know it's a study of guno and bach you know this was almost kind of a, an exercise for him but it comes off extremely musical right. you know, that pastoral quality we're talking about the strings alone along with it, a very prominent organ part i think it's a beautiful work i refer to it as a cantata because it's not a long work at all but to call it an oratorio would be a bit of an exaggeration even that's what his title is and so i think that this is a wonderful example of what the ico has tried to do uh, through its programming which is present the masterworks, the tried and true, but also to introduce works that are either brand new or really uh, underperformed in the repertoire. So that's Camille Sasson's Christmas Oratorio, part one of Handel's Messiah on December 8th at 7.30 Landmarks Theater. But we're also bringing back the sing-along, Messiah sing-along, which has been absent from our programming the past three years. Uh, as I understand it, ticket sales are incredibly strong. Uh, and so we hope that you do join us for either of the performance. If you prefer to sing, definitely want to come to the second performance where you can sing along with our soloist and chorus. But I want to thank you, Mary and Norman, for joining us for this Mocktails and Masterpieces. We look forward to being on stage with you very, very soon. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you.